Friday morning, guys. My name is Jerry Miller, and thank you for joining us on Real Talk with Keith Smith. It's a pleasure to connect with you through the I Love Seville Network. Today's show is going to be dynamite. Woody Fincham is in the studio. And when Woody Fincham is in the studio, content um, just sparkles. Um, he is a, an appraiser who does a fantastic job of taking content that is complicated and positioning it in ways for folks to understand and learn from. Not only is it an appraiser, uh, a man who teaches um, the, the content, and, and you see his teaching ability uh, shine on the program. Wherever you're watching the show, let us know. If you have questions, put it in the feed and we'll relay it live on air. We'll salute Judah Wickhauer before we forget, the man behind the camera that keeps us online and allows us to do what we love, which is talk about our passions and interests. Why don't we go to the studio camera, Jay Dubs, who uh, fulfilled his bet this morning. Smith did not. With a bottle of Johnny Walker Black, aged 12 years. I have no doubt you will. Neil Williamson said on Wednesday, you always fulfill your prop bets. Yep, yep, yep. I, um, I, I, uh, I was busy working yesterday, so I didn't make it to the ABC store. No problem, dude. So uh, I will try to make it today, and um, I might actually swing by before your 12.30 show and give it to you. So this way, I've fulfilled my obligation for the next, the next show day. Sandra Sparrow-Hard, welcome to the broadcast. Woody Finch and my friend, the show is yours. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to both of you guys. Great to be here, and uh, it's uh, already an exciting year. We're already, like, swamped. Uh, really? Yeah. It's, uh, it's what kind a, of work? I've gotten a lot of referral work recently from some of my agent colleagues for a lot. Uh, every bit of it's divorce work, um, oh. other than some of the you know regular lender work that we get. Uh, but you know, divorces keep happening. <laughs> you know, man, <clears throat> um, I'm waiting for the NAR data to come out in in March. Uh, but I think you're going to see you know family dynamics changing or family mm. uh, composites changing to be a higher percentage this year than last year. Yeah. Of, of that we, we, we're seeing a lot of folks with divorce. I just don't know if that's a result of COVID or, or whatever. But uh, you've got me rocking and rolling on this Chesapeake thing, uh, Jerry, because now I'm taking a deep dive into it. Should but, we? I mean, I think you have the photos from yesterday, right? Well, it's, it's a corner lot, which makes it even more favorable mm -hmm. for develop for development under the new zoning. So code. we can really set the stage here and have Woody take a deep dive and Keith take a deep dive here. We have the photos from the listing. We talked about it yesterday. Um, why don't I set the stage and then get out of your way? Um, it's 1316 Chesapeake Street. For those that are watching and listening, it's a listing in Charlottesville, Virginia, in the city of Charlottesville. That's 10.2 square miles. It's landlocked and it has very little inventory. For those that don't know this, Charlottesville just greenlit up zoning, which allows more density um, within the city. Uh, and the concept of up zoning is based or rooted on the foundation that additional housing inventory will potentially stabilize price points in a city that's seen affordability become a, a crisis. I think that's fair to say a crisis. 1316 Chesapeake Street is four, has an asking price of $499,900. Just for the sake of a talk show, we'll call it half a million dollars, 500K. Two bedrooms, one bath, an 892-square-foot home. Judah, if you want to rotate photos in, that'd be great. It was built in 1940. We're talking a home that's 83 years old. In the listing, I'm just talking facts here, it says the home is sold as is. 
So we know it needs TLC, and I'm looking at it on. Well, it, Zil- it's a teardown. I'm looking it's, at it's a teardown. I'm looking at it right now on GIS because I, in the listing they say that you could keep the existing structure into two more, but if you, you've got to take a look at the way the structure fits on the footprint, it's a teardown. It's a teardown. So you're only doing three. Yeah. So a that's one hundred and sixty-six thousand dollars per footprint, which is a little steep. Look, I, I would say the same. But um, it's but it's interesting as I'm looking at the as I'm looking at the GIS, there is a, about a fifty foot right away that that is to the left as you're looking at it from the top down, which is very interesting because you can use that as um, like an alleyway and then turn that into three sublots under the new zoning ordinance. Now, it depends on where the infrastructure is and all that kind of great stuff. But you can you could conceivably tear that down. I think I think the asking price is a bit steep, but you can turn you can tear that down, put in three sublots, um, and and put three separate detached units units on that. Um, it's Woody. I'll get out of your way. Six thousand and ninety eight square foot lot. Now, if you're taking a real estate exam, you know that this question is going to be on the test. How many square feet are in an acre? Who's taking that? 43,560 square feet. Yes, sir. In an acre. 43,560. That will be on the real estate exam. I'm pretty sure it will um, So 6,098 square feet means this is not even, what is that, an eighth of an acre? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. I mean, we're talking a postage stamp. Yeah. But this, but. Th- we, I want to pick this man's brain. So, Keith, we've got a paper street extension here, it looks like, along that right-of-way. So that's not something you would be able to utilize, potentially. For for valuation. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at this Um, from a development perspective. So from a real estate appraisal perspective, and really from any type of real estate perspective, whether it's development or whatever, we've got to look at the four tests of highest and best use. So the first test and highest and best use is, you know, is it legal to do something with it? And obviously with the new upzoning uh, ordinance, yes, it's legal to do some, something additional to this piece of property or tear it down and, you know, make it more dense. The second test is going to be what's physically possible on the lot. And that's going to be where someone like Keith and an engineer is going to get together and they're going to say, okay, we can get three units on here. And they'll allow up to, what, four units on it total? No, so it's it's. I've been looking at this. So it's RA. If you keep the existing structure, mm-hmm. which that's why maybe it stays. It, you physically can't. I'm looking at it because you, you're saying you can't add any anything else to you it. You physically can't yeah. add anything else to that because of the particular size size of the lot. So again, quick analysis. You're going to have to tear that down. So there's your physical test there. So then you, we, we take it back to a vacant lot. It's just going to be dirt ready to be built on then. So then right. the next two steps are feasibility, uh, financial feasibility, and then maximally productive. Maximally productive is likely going to be that you build it out to its highest density, which is three units. Um, and they won't. I don't think that the city is going to let you subdivide the lot any smaller. So if you want to get three units there, you're either going to have – one principal unit with two ADUs, or you're going to have to have a condo situation. So they're allowing sub... That's the reason why this um, right-of-way is so important. They're allowing sublots, right? Now, look, we, we've got... Anybody who's watching and listening, we need to caveat this one particular fact. Sure. Um, the city hasn't actually set up 
the subdivision portion of that or the policies and procedure portion of that and conversations I had with the city actually yesterday was that there, this is part of the reason why the delay of kicking this in is to February. Currently staff is working on that to figure out exactly how this works from a site plan perspective and from a process perspective because as a developer and a builder one of the things I'm going to want to do very quickly is subdivide that into sublots or some lots otherwise. You want to be simple lots, yeah. Well, that's how I'm going to get my funding, yeah. right? Because otherwise I'm doing this all in cash, right? So I'm acquiring in cash, I'm developing in cash, and then I'm selling in cash. And there are, there are some folks that obviously can do that, uh, but normal human beings will have to lend, borrow money in order to do that. So they haven't quite figured out if they're going to allow them to, to subdivide first before submittal and all these different things. But this is what they're working on. And, and if you've been watching the show, I've been talking about this for a while. You know, you've got this left-hand side that says, okay, you can do this by a zoning ordinance. Then you now have, okay, can I actually do it? Right. What is the subdivision? What is the physical kind of thing? I will tell you. Neil Williamson watching the program. Hello, Neil Williamson. Interestingly, the owner is in Texas of this piece of property, not even local. So I will tell you, because I've been looking at, at, at parcels quite intently throughout the city. This, is, this has got a good potential because corner lots are a lot more uh, a built, lots that are corners. And lots that have access to alleyways will be more developable. Bull, 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 Let me have another sip of coffee. Developable, bull, 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 than than not. And anyway, so this this is a great this is a great example of taking a deep dive into how this actually will work. But we've got a component we don't know yet, which is actually the policies and procedures and the site plan portion of it, which hopefully will get released by the end of this month. So the other thing we have to look at, too, here is, is what that right away is a big variable here. Can any, value. Yeah. Well, will you be able to get additional access to that side of that lot with that paper street that's there? Because I've done a couple of assignments in Charlottesville where Charlottesville has said absolutely no. Yeah, yeah. You can't touch that land. Yeah. Uh, we're not even going to let you put a, a, a gravel driveway across it. So if you take a harder look at that, I think, I think the answer is yes. Because there's a 16th Street Northeast extension. So there's an actual road that goes through about 50% of that mm -hmm. right away. So I don't know if it's being used as an alleyway or an actual road. Is it owned by the city, not owned by the city? Right, All those things would need to be dig, dug into. But under the assumption, just looking at GIS, if it's owned by the city, then, then you have to work through the city because now you're going to have to do bonds. You're going to have to build to the city specs. It's going to be a very expensive process to build that because what they're going to want is they're going to want a connector road between East Market Street and Chesapeake, and whoever's going to develop that gets to pay for that. Why don't we do this? Judah Wickhauer's got a Google map that he's been putting on screen. Put the Google map on screen, if you could, please, sir, where the location of this listing is. Um, we'll give some props to the listing agent. Yes. Um, uh, Keith, you may be able to help me with her last name. Is it Karen Cohe? Yeah. Kehoe? Kehoe. Karen Kehoe. Great oh, agent. Yeah. Uh, really knows her stuff and, and, and understands un, understands this. I'm just, I'm not throwing shade or That's anything like that. That's why I want to highlight that. Yeah, yeah. Yep. On, on any of it. I'm just looking at this as a developer yeah. and what it would take to go ahead and, 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 develop, and develop that um, that parcel. But my suspicion is, and I know enough of working with the city, the city will probably, if you want to utilize that paper street for to use 
Woody's term or extend the existing road, you're going to have to comply with all their engineering requirements yeah. to go ahead and do that, which is going to be super expensive. John, John Phelan giving Woody some props in Louisville, Kentucky. Hey, John. Uh, watching the show right now. But, Katie, but, he, but here's the overall point of this. Sure. This stuff is starting to hit the market. Oh, dude. This, th- right? December 18th, this essentially got greenlit. Now, yeah. it's officially going to get greenlit in February. Um, and already we're seeing the listing copy, the copy and listing saying, this is the first line of the listing from, from Karen. Just listed investment property with new zoning law. City allows three units to be built and leave the current home on premises, which is sold as is. So let's talk about how this works. Jerry Please. wants to buy this. There's water going through that paper street. Oh, lovely. <laughs> okay. So um, <clears throat> they're water as in streams. Yep. Yeah, so then you have stream buffers and all this kind of great stuff you have to click in. So how this would happen in this thing, if somebody wanted us to, to represent them through this process, right? Yeah. Um, first of all, this would not, I would not do this under what's called a land acquisition contract or a land un, un, undeveloped land contract, where we end up going through an, an LOI, letter of intent, going through a study period, invest a bunch of engineering to figure out if this actually will work to move forward. There's, a, on paper... It makes sense, but once you start digging into it, and we're doing this live, yeah, right, right. All of a sudden, we just found out it's got a stream running through it. Now, if I've got to build a road through that, now I've, I've, I'm impacting stream impacts and got to go through DEQ, Army Corps of Engineers, all this fun stuff. That becomes that much more expensive. So now you're going to have to start looking at this from a different perspective. You know, okay, maybe we do keep the structure. Maybe we build on top of the structure. Maybe, right? right? Maybe we attach to the structure. Attach and go up on it. Exactly right. So, you know, this is great stuff. I mean, this is what we've all expected to happen. Uh, But it requires a lot of really smart people at the table. I was in a meeting yesterday with a bunch of architects and engineers and developers having this very discussion about how do we actually now implement this. Joe, is it Meyer, Woody? Joe Meir. Meir, watching the program? That's my Cajun buddy down in Louisiana. He says, is is this on land value? Is that what's happening here? Yes, so, uh, Joe, what's happened is Charlottesville's passed an ordinance that's allowing um, more density to be built. Accessory dwelling units can be added in to, to single-family properties. We've we've got a landlocked. A real quick overview is that we have a landlocked city. There's no more land really, so we, we're trying to figure out ways to get some affordable housing or more affordable housing in for Charlottesville, uh, which is stabilize price points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just get it to where you know we can get some you know workforce people to actually be able to live in the city, and uh, and continue to do what they do. So this is an RA. Um, which, if you go to affordable housing, you can bump that density to six. Right? Okay. Uh, right? So, so that helps the math a lot. Well, if it's physically possible to put six units on it, then that bumps it right out of residential straight six into commercial. On a, on a lot this size? Probably not. Uh, that's, we, we have to get it. So, so again, that's back so to... So are you sure of the six? Because Karen Kehoe has three units plus the existing structure. That's a, yes, correct. If you can have the existing, I'm saying, but if you, if you meet the... If you meet the affordability component, uh, ah, gotcha. Right. If you meet the, if you're gonna, we're gonna build uh, homes on there. They're gonna be, I think, I think it's sixty percent. But somebody should correct me. But sixty percent AMI or below. If we, if the land trust went in there and had the capital to buy this and do it, we would end up. Be, if we physically could fit it, we would put six units on there. But that requires a tremendous amount of subsidy 
to get that math to work. Uh, Neil Williamson watching the program, and then we'll get to Katie Pearl's question. Hey, Katie. KTP, you still watching? Uh, you watching? Uh, she asked this question yesterday of uh, Woody Fincham, and I want to bring it up with with Woody. Oh, she is fantastic. Awesome. Um, how Katie. it's how it's going to appraise, which we talked about in the pre-production. I also want to show Deep Throat's chart um, that you took a, a glimpse at yeah. prior to the show. Um, Neil Williamson says those 60% AMI units must remain affordable for 99 years. Yeah. So that's why the land trust works. Yeah, 99 years. Works. He also says Charlottesville has not set up all the rules of the zoning yeah. game, but is requiring by right site plans submitted post August 31, 2023 yeah. to adhere to the yet to be defined rules, which is something he highlighted on the free enterprise forum as some potential legal exposure for the city. So I've got a half a dozen attorneys that are in this space asking if that's even I asked even if that's legal I I, I I don't know if it is to be frank well that which is what he highlighted right right yeah. um, I'm gonna tag Karen um, so she knows we're giving her listing some attention and and, and just speaking facts here um, how about walk us through how this is appraised so with the potential of doing something uh, more elevated than just a single-family home there, you know, we as an appraiser, I've really got, if I'm given this assignment by a lender, I've really got to look at it. And I do two types of highest and best use analysis. I'm going to do a highest and best use analysis as if this property is vacant and it's ready to be built on. So that's where we get into talking about can we put extra units on it, what's physically possible. The financial feasibility side of it, which is the third test, that's where we get look at all the options we have that are both legally and physically possible. And then we sit down and figure out, okay, out of those, all those options we have that are financially feasible, how do we figure out what's going to be the most productive or the maximally productive use of that property? And that's how we try to value. So it. let me ask you a question. So I put a contract, hypothetically, we mm -hmm. put a contract in on this, we do a... 120, whatever, 90, 120, 180, whatever it is, study period on it. Right. I invest the money, hire the hire ship engineering, mm -hmm. right, hire the surveyors, go through the process and actually creating a preliminary plan for this development of this property on it, get some sort of preliminary blessing from the city, mm -hmm. right? We're after February now on that. And I hand you, I say, okay, Woody, it, they're asking half a million for it. This is what they say I can build. Does that help you assess future development value? Does that help you at all? So we're doing an as-is value. Um, we can do a potential value down based upon any type of um, plan that's put together, but it would have to be something that's put together pretty tightly already. It can't be very speculative. It would need to be approved by the city. The city would need to say, yes, we would approve this or we yeah. have approved well, it. Well, we, we can make it hypothetical to whatever situation applies. Because um, I think that's the only way that's going to work, yeah. right? That the way yeah. this development is going to work, unless you're using cash to get money, because I'm going to need you to look at this yep. and say, okay, under this assumption... It's worth X. Most of the properties like this in this situation, at least for the short term, are probably going to be cash purchases. I would think I would Because agree. I would agree. this is very speculative steel. A bank, their banks are risk adverse. Yeah. They don't want to put money into something that they know yeah. they're going to take back, uh, particularly something that may be uh, ambiguous at best right now. And what now. that does is that limits the pool of buyers. It does. It does. And, you know, the pricing on this has got to work out in a way that where, you know, the price per unit for the land will work out in the end. So... Um, well, again, you know, based on the RA, you could put six at 60%, but 
here's the reality of it. In order to hit 60% the sale price, and I know this is the chair of the land trust, I can't exceed 200. Yeah, it's I haven't done probably the, closer to 175. I haven't done the math, but I doubt seriously that a highest and best use analysis would come out saying that, uh, that, yeah. uh, that affordable housing would be the best bet for a maximally productive return or return on investment. Well, I've got a meeting with the, the chief financial officer of PHA and land trust to look at this very yeah. analysis. Um, this afternoon, um, there's social it, value to it for sure, but you know, market value, value is a different thing. That's exactly right. But you know, to go ahead and acquire, develop, and build just on a quick back back of the back of a car thing, you know, this is about a three fifty per unit cost. Three hundred fifty thousand, roughly. So you're talking acquisition. For, let's just say, for the sake of a talk show, five hundred thousand for the land, and then you're saying three fifty times four. So you're saying a million four. No, plus. it's not times four. I'm tearing the building down to do three. So you're saying three fifty per for three total. So it's a million fifty. Three hundred and fifty thousand dollars per unit. That's okay. one that's one and a half million dollars right there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's a good chunk of change. Yeah. Uh, and for three that, residential units. For uh, three residential yeah. units. And do you think that's well, it's, uh, that, that math works the same as for three or six per unit, right? It's roughly the same. Sure. Like the cost of construction for a townhome and a thing of the deep patch is pretty, pretty darn close. The point I'm trying to make as far as the land trust is concerned, right, if it's 350 and we're trying to sell them at 150 to get to that 60%. doesn't work. It doesn't, somebody's got to come up with the math difference just to break, just to break even. Right. So do you see this um, being a, a speculator or an investor that's going to choose to rent the properties moving forward or choose to sell the properties moving forward? Or... Somebody's got 1031 exchange that wants to just say, you know what, I'll pay you $500,000 and I'll just sit on it for a couple of years, mm-hmm. right? And wait for, wait for the zoning ordinances to kind of get a little bit better, to kind of weed. Because what will happen over time, it, it'll just kind of uh, like, a, like a really good – Neil's second – Profession, a really good bottle of wine. It, as it ages, it gets a little bit better. That's what's going to happen with the zoning ordinance. As it ages, it'll get a little bit better. They'll work through some of the kinks because nobody really knows how this is going to work out. The only way this is ever going to get figured out is somebody's actually got to do it and work together with the city to run through the, the hiccups that on it. Do you have the uh, chart that Deep Throat set you to? What are you seeing it? Can you, D, can you DM that? To, are you on Facebook, Keith? I am not on Facebook. Can I you get on Facebook on, on the... Uh, my, my, my ADD will not allow me to focus on that, but just email it to me. But I'll could you get it. an email? Yeah, sure. yeah. Could you email that chart to Keith and email it to Woody? And then, give, give me the overall with the chart. Well, I'm, I'm hoping the pro over here, Woody's going to give a, a review of, of the chart. If you could email to both gentlemen so they could see it, and then we can put this on screen. Um, and then have the professor, Woody Fincham, here... Give us the uh, the nitty gritty of, of of this chart, which I try to do, but I'm not of your expertise or skill set here, Woody Fincher. Um, I'm happily able to slide my computer over while we wait. If you'd like to see that as well, yeah, whatever works for you guys. Yeah, it's fine. We can do that. But what, here. what is what is what is Deep Throat's position? What's, so what's his, what so he's done is he's done a comparison between. Here's years 2010 through oh, yeah, 15, 2016 to 22, and then 2023. Got it. Uh, the orange here is uh, grade D dwellings, uh, so they're the lower grade. Yeah. So that's what the subject property that we're talking about would fall into. So in this period of time, this is how much less it was worth with that improvement compared to the other uh, A, B, and Cs. But now look at it. It's completely inverted. It yeah. inverted. Well, that, that may tie into some of my data that I did. Thank you. Thank you. And that's in their inboxes, and yep. you can thank put you. that on screen as well. So, Woody, 
Professor, break, us, break down what's, what, what this is here. Let me get it on my screen so I'm actually talking uh, the same nuts and bolts here. Um, and like any email, it takes a couple seconds to yeah, go through. Yeah, it's a, it's a graphic. So, and, you know, we're talking coffee at the beginning. I just got to notice that my black rifle just got delivered at home. So. <laughs> there you oh, go, fantastic. buddy. Fantastic. <laughs> coffee well, is delivered. It's, it's, it's interesting. So while that's waiting to hit our inboxes, um, maybe we can pivot a little, a little bit um, and talk about some of the data that we, we put together. Here we go. It just came I in. I just got it. The data that um, I put together, which may tie into this because I'm showing 2,000 uh, the city of Charlottesville, uh, 2003 versus 2016, were 35% under in sales. And I want to get uh, Woody's read on that, but let's take a look at this deep throat. Uh. Johnny Ornales Capasa Chico. Hey, Johnny. The owner of Guadalajara um, and soon to open Mexicale on West Main Street. I can't wait to go try that place same, out. Same, J.O. Is this what I'm looking at specifically for the city of Charlottesville? Yeah. S- yeah. Specifically for the city of Charlottesville. Got it. This is a guy that sweats data as much as us, does data for a living. Um, I will get out of the way of the pros pros here. I'm, I'm hoping the professor takes over here. So what, what this is telling us is that the market participants are paying a premium for these properties because they are seeing potential in it. So our speculators, uh, basically. Um, I mean, I've had a couple clients over the past year before the ordinance was being passed, but we all knew something was going to be passed uh, that went in and bought some properties uh, around downtown and uh, around the downtown skirt. And uh, Fifeville was one of the areas that we were looking at. And uh, so there's definitely people interested in, in doing the speculative investment part of it. And th- this, is, this, is, this last uh, set of bars supports that immensely because... The 23. Yeah, just, just look at how the market has shifted since, you know, over the last, what, uh, 13 years. It went from being very negative to... You know, we went from what negative ten up to almost twenty percent to the it's, positive. It's interesting how the B and C grade properties, and I would love to know exactly how he determined A, B, C, and D. But but based on his analysis, um, a flat assessment over sales, right? So so what we're talking about here is the sales difference between tax assessment and sale market value, right? Yeah, Which this is, is always separate. Right. Yeah, so this is this, about that this is how the assessors actually, you know, they metric what they're going to do each year. So the city of Charlottesville, they do what's called a sales ratio study. And so what they're doing is comparing what a property is actually selling for versus what they are assessed at. But in your world, in your realist, in your property uh, appraisal world, mm-hmm. how important is tax assessment in establishing value? That's zero. Exactly. Zero. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so that's uh, important to note about this. Yeah. What we've got to remember about assessment is that it's ad valorem taxation uh, value. So what that means is that you're dealing with a or a city organization or city office, and they are they are charged with having to reassess all of their real estate every year. Well, they can't go in and do individual comparisons. They are looking at this from a mass appraisal perspective, meaning that they're lumping all these properties into big groups, and then they statistically adjust things based upon that sales ratio study I was just talking about. But where, where, where this analysis is helpful, mm-hmm. right, um, it's helpful that shows that properties, it goes back to my six things, right, that a feature, number three and number four, right, that's the number three, <laughs> number, three right? number three and number four, 
uh, is features and condition, right? So yeah. that's what's establishing this A, B, and C. So location is part of it, but sure. but the the properties are in the right location, right price, right features, right condition is you know the premium properties. Right. And as we work our way down, they where the, where go. you pull the thread on this particular chart is whether or not the municipality, in this case the city of Charlottesville, has actually gotten the grade of the improvement correct. Has the property been recently renovated? Is it really well, a grade told. D? Well, they don't know. I mean, yeah. they don't go into all of the properties. If the property's recently sold, they have access to the MLS. They can look at the pictures and things like that. Or if they're going around door knocking. A lot of assessment offices, though, don't door knock anymore. They, they might drive through the neighborhood. But, you know, I, how many residential parcels are in Charlottesville? I forget. <clears throat> oh, God. Uh, I know there's 50,000 roughly of people. I, I can't remember off the top of my head what, what it is. Uh, so, I mean, whatever it is, let's just say 20,000. It's probably not that many houses. But, you know, th there's no way in the world a staff of three or four people can do let's, a proper inventory of everything. Back to that listing and back to implementing this, that's the other problem mm -hmm. that, the, that the professionals are talking about around tables that I've been at meetings I've been involved in. Can the staff actually keep up to, with these particular requests? There was a, 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 a potential thrown out there. I know Portland did this for a while where they engaged a third party, you know, engineering firm uh, or architectural firm to help the city through this process. But, um, you know, we can look at, if, if you don't mind uh, putting on Slide number uh, four, if you don't mind, Judah. This is the median sales price per jurisdiction in the car foot, just to kind of relate it to the uh, to deep throats. Thank you, deep throats um, analysis. Matt, Matt Myers, welcome to the show. Bill Dowdy, welcome to the show. If you look at the city of Charlottesville from 2016 to 2023, the median price. This is all product types, right? Single family, attached, attached condos jumped from 279. Uh, to 459. If you look at the average, that would be slide number five, Judah. Um, that number jumps from 328 to 555, right? So, you know, I get what Deep Throat is showing, and I think it's a very helpful tool to talk about the quality of the product. Um, but prices have been steadily increasing. The volume is ridiculously low. We're at 2011 sales in the city of Charlottesville. Yeah. Let me say that again. The volume of sales, the number of units that sold in 2023, is comparable to that of 2011. And what was happening in 2011? We were recovering from a major financial disaster. But I, I was thinking about this this morning on the drive over because um, I knew we were going to talk about this, or at least I had a good idea that we would. We have to remember momentum, too. The momentum coming out of 2008 yeah. and 2009 into yeah. 2011, the year you're talking about, was way different than the momentum we have right now. Actually, the lack of momentum right now because... In 2011, we were in an upswing of yep, momentum. We were starting to recover. He's saying we're on a downswing now. No, that's, I'm saying that or we, we're flat. We're basically uh, volumes just stale. I stale. Mean, that's a better word. It's but, a better word. Or and we I, this last seven days I looked at it, Judith. I don't, I don't have a slide number, but if you can pop that up, I'd appreciate it. Um, I was taking a look at the last seven days. So I, I look at a market monitor that I have seven days going back all the jurisdictions mm -hmm. uh, in the car footprint. We had 35 come on in the last seven days. Jerry and I have been talking about this for at least six to eight weeks. We're generally around, it's been around 15, 17, 12. Now, we had holidays in, in the middle of that, but we're now double that number. But if you take a, a look at, at the same week ending last year, 
we were at 62 units came on the market. So the good news is we're increasing inventory in the last six to eight weeks, but we're still 50% of where we were yeah. this time last year. Um, viewers and listeners, let us know your thoughts here. We'll highlight Gary Palmer. Welcome to the hey, program. Gary. GP, thank you kindly for watching the show. Logan Wells Claylo, welcome to the hey, program. Logan. Agents from Nest, Real Estate 3, Town, Avenue, and Keller Williams watching the program right now. Let us know your thoughts here. We'll relay them live on air. Bill McChesney says, with this particular location, maybe you get four residences. If there are potentially four couples in each residence, then you have potentially eight motor vehicles. Where do these Good folks point. park? Yeah, that's, on a, that's an a great point. Of an acre or smaller. <clears throat> Where will so they the park? So the theory is that you would not have need the parking, right? They would walk. They he would counters by saying the theory, or or they're going to bike, they're going to walk, they're even going to take a bus, which is what folks are saying in this community. He says it's twenty degrees right now. You know, who's going to do that? I'm going to be a little bit of a. a pot stir here okay for us to assume that we're going to attract a demographic that are going to walk or bike or otherwise commute in such a manner i think is very pretentious of us very presumptuous yeah i mean well it's pretentious too in the sense that we're thinking that we're i mean the only group of people that are really going to fall into that are usually going to be people that are buying more expensive real estate you know i mean we're not talking about your normal workforce kind of people so Right here, at those numbers. yeah. I mean, this is not affordable for most people that are, you know, that are working a nine to five. And I it's totally inter- agree with what you just said. And, but and or but I see, I see your wife's face in my head every time <laughs> you do that. It's actually his daughter. <laughs> it's my it's daughter. daughter. Oh, my is it? Daughter. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. My 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 daughter, who has a master's degree in elementary education, is actually trying to increase my education level, which is. About kindergarten level. That's what you get for paying for school. That's what I get for paying for school. Thank you. I appreciate that, Woody. Uh, but if and, and if Neil's still watching, he can yes. pull he can pull the data on it because I don't have it at the tip of my fingers. But if you start taking a look at Minneapolis, Portland, all the areas that actually did this, that abolished or removed the parking requirements, it really didn't become a huge issue. Parking didn't become a big issue in that because they But Virginia is a different place. So though. different. Yeah. I don't think they're comparing apples to apples there, especially with our, and I'm not trying to throw shade here, our public transportation system, I wouldn't say is the most robust well, or that's, consistent that's or approachable. I'm just saying statistically, it wasn't that big of a deal. Now, here's the other problem with parking. Let's just look at a development side of it. It's expensive. Mm-hmm. To build a parking space is super expensive. So the question that the, the the philosophical question is, do I spend money to build units for people to live in, and they have to figure out how to commute? Now I grew up in the city, right? I grew up where, you know, you had to fight for a parking spot, right? And and it was a thing. And and you, as you were a kid coming home, your dad kicked you out of the car to hold a parking spot and you had to fight <laughs> off the gang members so there was a parking spot. So I come from a different world and a different understanding understanding of that. But I was also in New York City and I could hop on a subway, I could hop on a, sure. on, a on a bus or walk a couple of blocks and get whatever I, whatever I wanted. So to your point, mass transit has to catch up with it. I, I just, you know, I, 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 I think you're going to see one parking spot per unit because that's what the market's going to want. And that goes back to I don't think you're going to fit any more than three on this parcel, right? Because you're going to have to give a park at least a parking spot on on site. You're saying to be able to sell them, you will. 
That's exactly right. And has anyone, and I know the answer to the panel, has, I know their answer to this question I'm going to ask. Has anyone been in Belmont on a Friday night when all the restaurants are popping and seen what's happened to the side So streets? there's a reason I go at 4.30 to get a parking spot for the bar to open up at Tavola open up at five because I get a parking spot. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing the old folk blue plate special. Anytime I go over there, I'm going early. I'm not going later. Well, that's the trick. You <laughs> at eight thirty, nine o'clock, people are blocking driveways. Yeah, 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 yeah. On the side streets of Belmont yeah, with their vehicles. Yeah. And and it's a real issue, and it has to be worked worked through. You know, back to this rezoning uh, th- rewrite. You know, and and I love your read on this. Look, I I I I don't think you're going to see a lot of multifamily projects happen out of this for two reasons. One is it's pretty laborious to go through what's required. But secondly, the, the, the funding side of multifamily is evaporating. Yeah. You know, unless you're doing it in cash nationwide, right? And there's not a lot of lenders out there to do multifamily lending because nationwide we're overbuilding on multifamily yeah. units. And that's going to impact us here. Not that we don't need it, it's just you're not going to get the funding to go ahead and. Build. Well, the decisions made on the lender level is made at a national That's level. Exactly it's right. never made at a local level. Exactly I mean, right. our market here is ripe for multifamily because we have a demand for it, and I think we'll continue to have a demand for it for a while. You'll but, see this. You'll you'll see Karen Keogh's listing, and you'll see a lot of smart people digging into it yeah. and going, "Okay, let's see if I can turn this into four or three or." whatever to the best return on a property like this my opinion i mean if i had some cash laying around to buy it i you know i'm not saying that i'd pay what they have it listed for one way or the other but i mean i'd probably grab it hold it use it as a rental and if i'm going to put another unit on it put one more unit on it so i've got two rental incomes if the return on the rent's going to to be worth it over an eight to ten year period well i didn't take a look at the interior of it i I, we're assuming it's habitable but it's it's basically habitable i mean unless there's some unseen issues with it. Oh, yeah. Mitchell Capaluas? Mitch, down. He's in Louisiana, too. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Mass (laughs) appraisals aren't true market value. I was privy to a review process this past year and saw up close just how the parish county appraisers made their adjustments. That's his comment. Yeah. He's leaving in the feed. Yeah, they do it a little differently down there because they're they're governed by parish law versus what we're governed by up here, which is, you know, our commonwealth law. And, uh, old English law. Uh, I'm probably saying that wrong. I'm sure with all the great attorneys we have out there, they're going to let me know I said something wrong there. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, you know, the way we do it here in Virginia is going to be different than the, how they do it down there. But yeah, he's right. I mean, having worked in the assessor's office for, you know, six years, uh, I can tell you that, you know, the way they do things is based off of uh, ratio studies and making percentage adjustments here and there. They don't really get into it the same way a, a fee appraiser would get into it. Um, Neil Williamson, Apples and Oranges, much of Minneapolis development was transit-oriented development. Mm -hmm. For what it's worth, light rail is still not the solution. And he shares a link to the Free Enterprise Forum. You'll never hear me say this often, but I disagree with Neil immensely here. You can't say apples and oranges with Minneapolis. That is Prince's hometown. It has to be plums because it's purple. (laughs) (laughs) Woody. (coughs) Well done, Woody. Well, well done, Woody. That's the funniest thing Woody has said on the show right there. That's hilarious. He deadpanned it, too. (laughs) There are smaller jurisdictions to look at out west that did this, you know, 50,000, 25,000 that uh, dropped out and and at some future show, um, I've I've got the reports. I just can't recite the numbers off the top of my head. It did not seem to slow down 
the actual development. But I can see from a market scenario, if I was going to buy that and put three units on there and we were going to not do it affordable, we're going to do market rate, I've got to be able to park one vehicle on property somehow. Yeah. And that may limit the number of units from three to two. <laughs> Neil Williamson to Woody. Neil, this is hilarious. For Woody, somebody get him a raspberry beret. <laughs> <laughs> Neil. Neil, you got Judah laughing in the studio over here, Williamson. Well played. Well played, Neil. Um, viewers and listeners, let us know your thoughts. We will get to your questions here, but we're sticking with Chesapeake for a little while longer. It's clearly got some traction with the audience. Gavin Sherwood, one of Yes Realty Partners' finest watching the show hey, right hey, now. We love you, Gavin. Um, anytime you want to come back on, give us a holler. Um, this, go ahead, Keith. So I, th- I think, you know, from a, from a short-term solution on it, if, I've, if I have a buyer who's looking for a 1031 exchange. I just looked through some of the pictures. I know enough about construction and building that I can look at pictures and figure out what needs to be done in there. You can invest a few bucks in it, rent it to Woody's point, and then wait for the zoning ordinance and the site plan ordinances over time to kind of be fine-tuned because you're going to see stuff drop in and drop out over, over the next 12 to 24 months to fine tune it. It happened in Portland, it happened in Minneapolis, it happened in all these other jurisdictions. Once they adopted these type of re- zoning rewrites, they ended up getting tweaked to use uh, the former mayor, Lloyd Stook's uh, technical term on it. But if you're not worried about cash flow and you want to buy it and sit on it, that would make sense. I love it. I love it. Um, let us know your thoughts, guys. Um, I will get to the question for Woody on his thoughts on what to expect in 2024. I see a version of that question on three different Facebook pages for you. <laughs> That's pretty, st- uh, pretty status quo for most shows, right? Um, I think we're going to keep doing what we've been doing. I mean, you're, 2024, you're not, I don't, unless we have a major economic issue at the national, international level, I don't see anything changing much. Uh, if, if rates do drop, demand's going to go up uh, because you know buying power will increase for the consumer. It's going to make the consumer more competitive, which means prices will go up even faster. Uh, I don't see much inventory or more inventory coming onto the market. We've still got a lot of folks like myself. You know, I'm, I've got a sub three percent mortgage. I'm not selling that property. And the house works for you. There's no need to yeah. move out of it, right? Yeah, I mean. Uh, the missus, you know, she's still recovering from her medical issues, so getting up and down the steps isn't as easy as it used to be for. I've been talking to her. Maybe we might want to go to a ranch, but we might look at something. But we're going to keep that property. I mean, there's no way. I oh, mean, yeah. if, if, I, if I can rent that out, I'm, I'll make money hand over fist on it. Which so. only impacts the lack of inventory more, right? Right. Because people, I mean, I just, um, uh, I just helped a client. Two clients closed two um, new construction townhomes last month, um, and that's the exact conversation, right? They're going to stay in it for a couple of years, wait for their first child to come because they're newly married, um, and they then after that they're going to keep that as a rental and move into something else. Yeah, so I, that will not come on to inventory. Real quickly, I have to apologize to Mrs. Fincham. She's just messaged me to let me know in caps and exclamation points oh. that she's not moving. So she's not moving. <laughs> Boss is talking right there. It, it, <laughs> it's funny. We should all get together because in in my household, Yona wants to move and I don't, and uh, it's, it, it's it, it looks like it's the opposite in the Fincham ha- household. Uh, I want to pick your brain for a second. Yeah, Judah, can you put slide three on, please? So this is a car footprint 2023, single family detached, single family attached, 
condos, new construction existing. This is this is a this is everything in all of the jurisdictions broken down into three year three year blocks, 23, 2019, and 2016. Take a look at Louisa. Louisa is like the rock star, and I'd love you to tell me why you think that's the case. Louisa was 596 units sold, and in 2016 it was 324. That's a 40. 5% increase in volume of sales. I didn't expect to see that when I did these numbers. T- tell me why that is, you think. Well, dirt was cheaper uh, for a long time. I mean, it makes it easier for, for builders and developers to go in and do it. Spring Creek's been, they're still gangbusters out there. I mean, uh, we've been very busy with new construction projects out in, in Spring Creek. Uh, some of the spot builders like Liberty and, and, and companies like that, they're building all over Louisa. So, I mean, you know, they can go in and grab small pieces of land and put two, three, four houses on it. And it's, it's a scalable model that works really well for them. In Louisa. Yeah, in Louisa. Uh, in Fluvanna, nor- the northern part of Fluvanna and Troy and, and areas like that as well. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, Louisa's, you know, they're not adverse to development. Um, you know, obviously, you know, with what they've got coming in with the, uh, what is it, the, the data centers and, you know, um, I don't. Is there any large-scale subdivisions that are shadow inventory yet? <clears throat> I've not heard of any, but... Uh, yes and maybe no yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, there are a couple of developments around um, Zion's Crossroads that haven't quite made it into the system yet. Okay. And I've, I've got to be careful um, uh, because of the political temperature at the moment sure they may not right um you know nobody's going to go through all this expense and to get a large project rezone particularly around zion's crossroads because the likelihood of it getting passed yeah somewhat questionable at the moment i think a lot of everybody's waiting for this um water permit that just got that got right lit, lit to happen so that there is the water there. So that there's a little bit of that going on. But when you're looking at 200, 300, 500 units, that's a big approval process. And they're not so comfortable. Some of the people that are doing that are not exactly 100% comfortable with the political temperature. How long will it take Louisa to approve a project of that size, do you think? Yeah, so the Mets didn't do as well this year uh-huh. as I thought. <laughs> um, Years, it's it's a years process. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, like you know, I know in Fluvanna where we're at, you know, the Colonial well, it's a Place zero chance. Well, zero so now, but I mean, what the Colonial Place was what five years? Six years. Six. Yeah. Colonial Circle took six years. Six years from from its initial start until dirt started getting pushed. Right. So. Mustache Dan Pettit says, um, I guess most buyers that in 2024 who qualify for up to 350,000 will either have to rent or have to drive 40 miles to work because that doesn't exist around here. Um, he also highlights if you do that, um, you erode the savings with the depreciation on your car and you spend a lot of money on gas and time getting to and from work. Um, that's certainly something that's happening, Dan. I believe he's in La Jolla right now with much warmer climate. Dan, I woke up to 14-degree weather here uh, (laughs) this particular morning. Uh, If somebody would Google it, I don't know off the top of my head, but there's a great app that you can actually put in your miles of how much you're driving extra in your mortgage rate, and yada, yada, yada. And it tells you how much extra to drive, an extra 20 minutes, an extra 30 minutes. Right. You put your vehicle type in it, how old it is, how much you're paying for fuel, 
so forth and so on, and it spits out that if you travel another 25 miles, it costs you X dollars. And it doesn't calculate your time, by the way. I mean, if I was looking to buy right now, and I'm just looking at costs, and I'm looking at just the utility of housing, I'm going to Buckingham. I mean, Route 20 is an easy drive. Yeah, so I don't have Buckingham in the numbers, and I'm, I'm going I'm to work on that kind of focused on the car, sure. f- car footprint for the. For well, Buckingham's the pretty hard to do. You got to have three MLSs. Buckingham's a portion of car, yeah. but it's three yeah. different MLSs. MLSs. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 difficult. It's difficult to, to hit it. You know, you, you're talking about stuff that's closer to Scottsville, right? Yeah. Just on the other side of the river, right? That, yep. You know that, and and you would have to uh, do a, a, a physical map search to go ahead and, and do that. But um, if you take a look at slide number four, uh, Jude, if you don't mind, these are the medium sales price per jurisdictions and the car footprint. So this is, every, this is everything. Um, but take a look at that Louisa. Louisa had um, a, a jump from 220 in 2016 to 400. This is median now. I'm dropping my high and lows out um, in, in Louisa, but uh, at 400 in 2023. But if you take a look at like Albemarle County, Albemarle County's 505. That's not that much of a difference, right? Right. Right? That's about $195,000 difference. That's, a big, that, that's not as a bigger spread than I expected to see. Does that make sense to you? Well, I mean, if you go back and look at, uh, what, 16, you've got 336 for your median for Albemarle and 220. So it's about it's, 100 grand or so apart. It's, it's, it's consistent. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Uh, viewers and listeners, let us know your thoughts. We'll highlight um, these comments on the feed. How about Waynesboro to Woody's Buckingham response? Waynesboro is, is still more affordable than the Charlottesville MSA, but um, it's getting more expensive. Uh, but they are definitely more friendly to, to looking at projects over the other there. Side of the hill. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, Stanton's not a bad place to be either. We, we do a lot of work over there, um, so, and there's still a lot of land to be had, so... Um, the commute's going to be similar either way, but you do have to contend with after mountain, and sometimes the traffic can be a little... Uh, and the weather. Yeah, that's true. The world is apparently ending on Saturday, so in the weather, make sure you get your milk. Sure uh, Neil you Williamson shares the housing and transportation calculator. There you go. Um, Thank you. You can find it uh, on the comment section of my page, or it's tied to a website, housingfinance.com. A calculator unveiled that really tracks the... Uh, Overhead associated with buying property far from the epicenter of employment. And in simple terms, you plug in certain data and it tells you if you drive. And I've used that tool when we say, look, you know, it's, if you do the math, it's going to cost you this much more to travel 45 minutes. But if we spend a little bit more money and we're 20 minutes away, you know, you, you, you make up the difference, but your quality of life and your time on the road. Right. And I don't think that calculator includes time on the road. Um, Dan Pettit says he's he's complimenting us on our attire over here. Um, Keith Smith, thank you, Dan Pettit. We appreciate you, you very much. Uh, this has come into the feed, he's up which, early too. which I think is a good question. Um, neither, and this is from North Downtown's finest grace, and neither of your uh, neither of the panelists think, or neither Keith and Woody think, that inventory is going to uptick if rates drop. I mean, if you increase buying power within the consumers, as soon as stuff hits the market, it's going to go right back off the market. So, I mean, inventory, is I don't think we've got a chance of it increasing at any significant pace. We might have things come onto the market that wouldn't have come on otherwise, but 
you know, uh, I mean, I think we're back more to a lifestyle move now than we are for, I just want to buy a new house because COVID, if you wanted to move, you moved, you know, that, that, that you know, rates were really low, buying power was super high uh, and people were, you know, they just wanted to move in a lot of cases. But, you know, now I think we're back to a more normal market where people are only moving when they've got a job change or, you know, they've got a baby coming or something of that nature. The, the number one reason for people to move is for family, be closer to family. Mm. It's family related. And then it's like uh, lifestyle changes, divorces, so, uh, kids, marriages, you know, those those type yeah. of thing. Look, it, it's it's um, what I ought to do is I ought to bring that. Remember that wooden um, uh, scale oh, I yeah. had, oh, but yeah. I, I got to bring that back in. <laughs> what, what, what's ultimately going to happen is I think it's just going to be the sliding scale, right? As interest rates drop, inventory will tick up, right? Because because those buyers are going to say, sellers, I'm ready to buy. The problem is the buyer pool is just going to keep on getting deeper and deeper and mm-hmm. deeper. And it's also going to be a specific type of buyer in it because I still don't think you're going to see the affordability index get any better. No. Right. So, and the people that are going to be afforded are going to have the cash, right, to put a 20% down or whatever they need to do to buy down points. And it's another thing we talked about on the show, before, one of the previous shows. You know, we're looking at all these great interest rates, but that's for perfect credit score. That's like for yeah. 760, 740 and up. If you start going lower than that, that's why if you really want to get in the market, you better double check your credit score and, and see if you can fix that a little bit, if it needs fixing on it. When you start going down to these lower things, they're like a point higher. Yeah. So credit score is super important. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's, it shrinks your ability to purchase big time. Um, you know, and I just until Albemarle decides they want to open up their development corridor yeah, or some, I, I just don't see us seeing any normalization in pricing at all. The short answer is, I think I think it was Lawrence Yoon quote said this, and I may be wrong, that even if we produce thirty percent more houses right now, the builders just arbitrary, we would still be under under inventories tremendously. Well, I mean, and they, they can't build anything affordable or more affordable because of the Starter cost. houses are yeah. not being built. I mean, just to get a piece of dirt ready to put a house well, we just, on, We just expensive. talked about this right here, right? We talked about, we talked about a, an opportunity on Chesapeake Street mm-hmm. that, it, you know, unless the land trust gets in there and buys it and comes up with, you know, two hundred dollars to $300,000 of subsidy per unit... It's just not going to happen. Right. And is the land trust still waiting for, uh, what's the land trust still waiting for from the city? Oh, yeah. Is it still waiting for some of its bonds? Back? I'm negotiating with right now, so I want to keep my mouth okay. shut. Okay, okay. But, uh, yes, we, we're still waiting on our release of our bond from 2019, which was $18,000, which would be very helpful for the land trust at the moment. Um, this question, where are the folks that work at UVA, not the nurses or doctors, but the people that support the hospital, Making forty thousand or less going to live. That's the exact conversation we just had. Yeah. So here's an opportunity to put six affordable housing units on there. That in in theory you can take a bus or you can walk from from Chesapeake, literally not at twenty degrees, but you can walk from Chesapeake to to the hospital. Right. That's within walking distance. A little bit of a walk, but. One can, I'm one, too fat for that walk. One, oh, one come on can, now. You've one, down. One, well, I've heard you've been trying to... You Woody's know, been doing cardio. First yeah, thing I said yeah, when yeah. he walked in, he looked leaner. But Literally. the only way that's going to work is if, if the subsidy comes up to make up the difference between that 150 and 175 which is what this $40,000 a year 
uh, you know, worker, uh, service worker, um, needs to be to, to afford. And unless, you know, I'll take it, the land trust would be more than happy to take any donations that everybody's willing to do, but until there's this huge pot of cash, that's probably not going to happen here. Uh, this question, do the panelists think a spring market is going to happen? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's I mean, already happening. Yeah, you're going to see an uptick as far as uh, transactions go. I think. I mean, that's it's common for any year. Even when we were in the um, the financial issues that we were dealing with in 09, 10, and 11, uh, the spring market was still going into the summer market. Was always our stronger market for the year. Though it's anemic at 35 the last week on new units that hit the market. That's new inventory. New inventory. Right, so it's double what it's been for the last six to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. It's still 50% under the same week a year ago, right? So we've got a long way to go. Um, you, know, I, 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 you know, I honestly believe somehow or another we need to build, build our way out of it. I don't think this, the, the jurisdictions around the city in Albemarle are going to allow any, any more developments to come in. No. You might see it on the other side of the hill, right? Um, on it, Green County is going to have probably about 1,800 more because they've got them in the pipeline over the course of the next few years. But it's th- this, this struggle that we have right now is going to be this struggle, I think, for another five to ten years. Uh, Woody Fincham, how about some closing thoughts from you? Anything we haven't covered? Anything that's in your crawl that you want to get out there? I just wanted to throw a, a quick shout-out to the uh, Ask the Appraiser group on Facebook. We've been uh, working with a lot of agents all across the country on that. Uh, John, who runs that group, um, we're at now 41,000 people in the group. Oh, wow. and it's uh, impressive. It's, uh, it's been going really well. Um, we're, we're able to partner up with agents and answer all kinds of questions uh, that they would have of appraisers, all kinds of scenarios and case studies. So that and, uh, you know, we're just we're tr- tr- trucking along like we normally do and, you know, very appreciative to be here in the new year. And, uh, you know, that's it. You're a rock star. I, Absolutely. I, 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 it means the world to me that you sit here on a regular basis. So thank you very much. And, and, and I'll say this publicly, without your support, we wouldn't be sitting here. So thank you very much for for doing that and thank you for all our partners that make real talk with Keith Smith possible because otherwise we'd be sitting here having this coffee and fun and, and, and helping, helping other folks. So go out and have yourself a great day. Go get some milk and bread. Cause apparently I'm getting texts that the world is going to end tomorrow. So time will tell. We, we will wait to see. Yeah, Judah Wickhauer, we'll Keith out. Smith, Woody Fincham shows archived at real talk with Keith Today's show was absolutely dynamite. Thank you kindly for joining us. I Love Seville show is up at 12.30. We will catch you then. So long, everybody. Done, my friends.